my rookie year, I had the worst point ratio home to road in the league. Really? Meaning I had 36 points in 41 games at home. Like a point a game player my rookie year at home, I had 11 points in 41 games on the road. I was the wow. opposite of road warrior. I was a home cooker. Wow. Yeah. Even a mediocre year, you'd be talking to the rookie of the year. What could have been, Johnny? What could have been, man? What could have been? My mom is still sour. Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back. LeBron, Rashog, and MJ today. Yes, Mike Johnson joining Pierre and I on the podcast today. Going to talk a ton about what went down with the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. Spitting the bit in game one against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, is the pressure ever on? Chat a little bit about the Winnipeg Jets and uh, their early series victory. Great defensive performance. And dive into the Edmonton Oilers and the LA Kings getting set up for game number two tonight. By the way, you're not going to want to miss our red card, yellow card, no, uh, no card segment today. Great topic. And we have a special guest appearance coming up. Maybe someone right off the, sh- the set of Shorzy, Terry Ryan. We'll see. Uh, Got your back. Brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. They provide equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been there. They've got it right on the walls at head office. And every one of the staff members, they they live by that get-or-done formula to make sure they do not let their customer down. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude. And we are very proud to have Cross Country Canada supplies and rentals as title sponsor here on got your back as we say good morning to the fellas mike johnson and uh pierre lebrun pierre you have the look about you of a gentleman who worked late and was up early grinding uh i'm not saying you look tired buddy you just look like you're in one this morning well it's my glasses i I don't have my contacts in so it's a bit of a different look for me yes i was up at uh up at six finishing up my tampa bay lightning column because I only okay. write about winners. Oh, oh wow! Boy. Clip that. <laughs> put that on Twitter. Boy. Holy wow. smokes! Hashtag yes, Leafs wow. Nation. Push that but to I all did. the socials. Zuby behind the scenes. Get that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I did write about the Lightning, and you can check that out in the Athletic. What a night at the Scotia Bank Arena! Yeah. No now we'll kidding. get right into it, though. Was last night's game more about the Lightning? Or more about the Leafs. Like, I don't want to discredit what Tampa did because they were good. Right. You know, but it felt like it was more about what Toronto didn't do. Like, it was more they were gifted the opportunities to be the better team because Toronto was so off. Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of both, MJ, because I think that's, of course, exactly what the Lightning wants everyone to be talking about today. And that's why I went sort of mm-hmm. against the grain with my column today because that is what everyone's going to talk about today is a disastrous game, disastrous start by a Leafs team that seemed to be carrying the burden of their playoff demons in those opening minutes, coughing the puck up like we haven't seen the entire regular season, literally not looking like themselves. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing about this Lightning team, and and Steven Stamkos and John Cooper in the morning spoke really openly about what they believe was mental fatigue in their team for the final six weeks of the year where they just couldn't get up for meaningless games. I mean, they, they just basically came out and said it, that they 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 were just waiting for the playoffs to start, and all those playoff games the last three years has had an impact on them. Now, I would argue 
they have to believe that because the alternative is that actually this team isn't as good in, anymore, mm-hmm. and and that's that's a, a starker reality. I think this Lightning team came out with an absolute purpose. They know everyone's picked the Leafs. They know that people think it's an end of an era, and they came out like they had their entire reputation to rebuild in the opening two minutes of that game. Maybe nothing at the end of this. The Leafs may still win the series. Who? But there was something going on there with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who had? Who's more dangerous, Johnny? A team that feels like it's got its reputation to rebuild or a team who feels like its reputation is firmly on the line in the moment? Well, apparently in game one, it's the rebuilding group because no kidding. they were they were better. They were better. Um, you know, I am, I find, I, I'm leery to buy wholeheartedly into that. Your point is perfectly made. They have to believe it because otherwise they're like, they're like, we're a 500 team for two months. Like, are we not good? Right. So that's what they believe. That doesn't mean that's what I believe. Like, I think they were better. They probably are motivated by that. I do believe they were tired, but I also believe they're not quite as good as they were in years past, but we'll find out. But it was just, to me, I take it the other way. Good on Tampa. Stunningly poor by Toronto. I mean, just for one of the best teams in the league who looked so solid and stable all year long, built on defense and goaltending, the goalie looked off, nervous, jittery, and never got it. Like, even a goalie who has a bad night, right? He, play, he doesn't look shaky for 10 minutes, but eventually he settles in. And he look, he, the game might be gone. It might be 4 nothing at the time, but eventually he plays normally. I don't know if Samsonov looked normal the entire two periods that he played. Mm-hmm. So you start there. I didn't like the line matching going on by Sheldon Keefe early, taking Austin Matthews on and off to get him away from Anthony Sorelli. At some point to start the playoffs, go Austin, go beat him. How's that sound? You know, mm-hmm. you're the guy who's supposed to beat that matchup. Go get it. Like, I believe that you're better than him, so go prove it. You know, I just, from start to finish, your defensive checker, Zach Aston Reese with one of the, you know, egregious turnover and then just porous coverage in front of the net. I could go on and on. How much time do we have to go over the whole game? But it just, it was uncharacteristic. And to me, that's the story because that, why would that happen? Right? It's not about effort. It's not about want. It's not about care. They obviously have all those things. So it has to be something else. And, it's, and, it's, and that means it's mental. It's a mental thing, Shoggy, that they were just nervous yeah. about the moment or nervous or unsure of, 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 of what's at stake, whatever it was, because it's not physical. It's mental. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a head scratch. It, it's, it, like, it's really 78 seconds into this playoff series that everyone's picked the Leafs to win. The fourth line of the Tampa Bay Lightning scores a goal by capitalizing on a turnover, winning body positioning in front of the net, and slamming home a rebound. Yeah, I mean, like if, if an Im- if an image can say a, a, a thousand words in the opening mm-hmm. seventy eight seconds of a series, that goal by Pierre Edouard Bellamar said it all with Corey Perry teeing it up off the Leafs turnover. And it's like, what's going on here? The Leafs have not done that all year. The seventh best defensive record in the NHL, night in and night out, and they were not that in game one. Now again, mm-hmm. it's just one game. A year ago. The Leafs hammered the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-0 in game one. And you can imagine some of the overreactions a lot of people had after that game. So let's see what game two brings. But I'll say this. Has there been a bigger game with more pressure in the recent Leafs playoff history than game two at home on Thursday night? Can you imagine going down to Tampa against that Tampa team down 2-0 in that series? It's over, Johnny, if they lose two. They went four out of five. Yeah. Tampa. It's gonna be very, very yeah. tough. 
Okay, a few elements from that game that I want to kind of do quick hitters on because there was a lot that happened in that game, and I want your guys' opinions on it. So I'll uh, I'll throw out an item from last night's game, and you can kind of give me your 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 brief thoughts. Corey Perry's contribution, Johnny, from getting the fans booing at him in warm up to being the catalyst on the opening goal at his age from his perch in the lineup. What he contributed last night? Incredible. But he knows who he is, and he knows the playoff game, and he knows the opponent and the moment. He knows all of it, and he's keenly aware of what his team needs. The fact that he's physically capable of still doing it is the most impressive part. Like, I get that as a veteran, he'd know that he should try to do all those things, but he was as impactful as any forward on the ice for Tampa last night, which is bad news for Toronto. Well, and, and you know, these guys always say, and, and I tried last night, and they downplayed it. I mean, a couple of Lightning players after the game said they weren't even aware that everyone had picked the Leafs. Okay. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But Corey Perry in particular, for sure, would have known that a lot of the um, narrative heading into the series, too, is that Tampa has lo- had lost its depth. That one of the things that will prevail for the Leafs in this series, and still could, is that the Leafs have the longer lineup that would eventually overtake some of these matchups. I think Corey Perry saw that. Mm-hmm. And the fourth line of the Lightning was dynamic all night. Critical moment in the game, in the game, and an important agitating role player throws a hit that gets himself thrown out of the game, puts his team in a terrible position. If the Leafs were ever susceptible to this, here we go again feeling, that certainly didn't help. Michael Bunting's play last night on Chernak. Johnny. Ill-advised, stupid, um, suspendable, and he will be suspended for it. Um, and the game was still in the balance. That's the thing. If you want to do something outside the rules because it's 7-2 and the game's over, bad idea, but still like maybe more understandable in the timing. The game was still up for grabs. The Leafs were kind of back mm-hmm. in it. The crowd was sort of energized. Maybe it's possible. Pierre, to me, you can't. We just saw Ryan Hartman get suspended for interference, which was less obvious than that one for one game. Like that was an elbow right to the button when he's not near the puck. You, you can't do it in Chernak, who they're already down a defenseman in Hedman. The fact that he left the game tells me he was actually not feeling well because the game wasn't nine two, and he left the game with Hedman already gone. If he's hurt, he's going to get two games, two playoff games because that was that was bad, was bad elbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting the reaction on uh, Leafs social media. It reminded me a bit of when Nazem Kadri got suspended a couple times mm-hmm. during some playoff series. Of course, Leafs, and um, it, it, you know it's not from a bad place. As far as Michael Bunting is a guy that cares so much and plays with so much mm-hmm. passion, but he lost control in that play, and he was running around doing his thing most of that game, notably with Trinac a few times before that. But that's just, as MJ said, that's just a, a careless play that really hurt his team at a time where after William Nylander scored that goal in the power play, I mean, I was in the building. You could really feel the Leafs finally starting to believe in themselves again and the building mm-hmm. rocking. And and that five-minute major just sucked the life out of that game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They weren't going to come back from that. Pierre, you get to go first on this one because once again, it was one of your questions that elicited the sound bite of the night. Here it is last night, you and John Cooper. My question to you is, it honestly feels like talking to your players that they're mostly unaware of that kind of stuff outside their room, that there's such a, a self-driven mission in that room. Is that fair? The Leafs might win the series. They might. And uh, there, there's so much runway left in this. Um, 
But what I've learned over the years, I sure the hell wouldn't bet against our guys. It's not going to say we're going to win, but uh, I don't know. I got their back. Thanks for the plug on the podcast there, John Cooper, by the way, having their back. Uh, Pierre, you said John Cooper was going to John Cooper in this series. Was that the first real sign of it? Yeah, I think he did two avails uh, uh, on Tuesday, and I think that was the first moment. And I think he's going to try and, and restrain himself as much as he can until he really needs to take a few uh, plays out of his pocket as this series goes on. Mm-hmm. Notably, he hasn't played on the least playoff demons yet. I think he's keeping that one for when he truly <laughs> needs it. But um, I think what he's saying is, is is and and I got into this in my column today, is that the, the, the Lightning have been unabashed. And, and you don't see this a lot in hockey because hockey is such a humble sport. The Lightning have been unabashed in speaking publicly about their desire to go dynasty chasing. And this didn't come up this week, but it came up earlier this year when the Lightning uh, were in town. Tampa is self-driven. They don't need – they feel they can continue to really create quite a legacy for themselves here. And if they can try to win a third cup in four years, and that's unheard of in the cap era. I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm sticking by my pick of the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. But this is what this team's about. What you just heard from John Cooper was a raw moment there, what their guys are about. And – um and it's what drives them, and and it and it's it's made them the best team in the league for for almost a decade here. All fair until they lose, right? It's it's great when they win, exactly. and they look like this, right? As soon as they don't yeah. win, like you know, is it not true? Of course, it's still true. Just you know, it doesn't matter. Like it, it, every guy's self motivated. They're just better than the other teams, right? And part of what makes them better is they have that mental makeup, Shoggy. So, um, which makes them such an interesting foil for the Leafs, whose primary criticism is not the way they play, but their mental makeup in these moments. So that's what the, the you know, the, the dynamic between these two teams makes it so fascinating. Yeah, it, it's the great contrast. Again, it's a front office that had they got swept by the Leafs and they may lose the next four, who knows? The the legacies for John Cooper and Julian Brisebois are unchanged by whatever result in this series, right? I mean, their 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 reputation is is there. The other front office has a GM in Kyle Dubas whose contract is expiring, has a superstar in Austin Matthews that this summer has to make the biggest decision of his career. The contrast in the two organizations as far as what's at play in the coming days is, is the biggest gap in contrast of any other playoff series. Completely night and day what's on the line. Question marks heading into the next game, the health of Hedman uh, Cernak. Is it a question mark or should it be Johnny at all as far as who starts in the Leafs net? Because Sheldon Keefe was non-committal mm-hmm. post-game. What did you make of the way he handled that? And is there any question? I, If I was him, I would have said, no question. Samsonov's our guy. We're going back to him. He's been great all year. We're going to him again. He wasn't good. We weren't good. We'll all be better together. Like, I think it just, just to not have us talk about this. But he said it's too soon to tell. Now, that might be because he was also very emotional and so irritated, disappointed post-game. Mm-hmm. But I think it has to be Samsonov. Like, I, I like Wall. Like, I, you know, I think he's a, a good goalie. But he's not, you know, so young into his career. If Matt Murray was healthy and available, then we have that conversation, especially with Samsonov's career now, mm-hmm. what, one in seven, one in six playoff record? So, um, 
I don't think they have really many options. And I think they should go back to Samsonov. His year warrants a return, Pierre. I, I don't think they really have much to decide there. But he probably could have stopped this conversation had he just said that last night. Yeah, I probably should have. I agree. It reminds me of a conversation we had on air last year, Ryan, after the Oilers lost game one to the Kings. And people were wondering if Mike Smith should return for game two. Mm-hmm. And, and you may remember my answer. Uh, yes. Otherwise, it's a sign of complete panic. Are you throwing out the entire 82-game regular season where you're one of the elite teams in the NHL and your goalie had good stats after one game? You can't do that if you're the Leafs. You have to give Samson off another look here. He had a good year. And and to me, he's you know he was certainly a, a big part of what happened last night, but it, the, the way his team handled the puck like a hot potato in the first few minutes of that game is, is a bigger part of it for me. I, I go back to him. We will always focus on production when it comes to the big guns on the Leafs. And if you look at the stats line, okay. So, you know, Tavares had the assist. Um, Marner had the three assists. Matthews had a couple. Johnny, the bigger question, I mean, they contributed offensively, but what kind of game did they bring to the most important moment of their season last night overall, would you say? They're okay. And they got to be better than okay. Right. They weren't they weren't egregious. The top guys were not terrible. The, the, the bottom guys were worse. But they were just okay. I mean, the power play points. Are, the power play has to be good. That's part of the story here. But, you know, two of the goals were on the power play. So, um, you know, at five on five, they didn't threaten that much. They had the puck in the offensive zone. They didn't get a whole bunch of good looks. And they, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of matchups. But, like, again, it goes back to, you know, like sometimes you're going to play against Anthony Sorelli. He's really good. You got to be better. Right, like they, they just this is the reality. If you want to yeah. win, and it's not like I'm saying Austin Matthews can't be better. He should be better than because he is better than Anthony Sorelli. So yeah, the stat line looks okay. Keith talked about them being, you know, pretty efficient. Garbage time for the last 30, 25 minutes of the game, Pierre. But I thought they were just okay, yeah. not terrible, but not great. By the way, flashbacks of Randy Carlisle, okay, just okay. Um, right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I asked Sheldon Keep after the game about Matthews and Marner because I was curious how he would handle that question. Because, And, and I thought he handled it fine because they were okay. They, they weren't great, to your point, MJ. But it also could have been a moment for maybe, you know, some coaches like to put it on their superstars ahead of game two, right? And I wondered if. That might happen in that moment, but um, but it. Didn't. I mean, if you're going to be critical, Ryan, when the game starts, you want those guys in the first five minutes to like take hold and let everyone right. else know, jump on board, follow me, I'm ready to go, we're ready to go because you know we're, we're your best players and look and it just now it happened so early, a minute twenty seconds in that, but like you know the first five minutes, they, they like everyone else um, took a little while to get into the game. I didn't like the start either, Johnny. The decision, right? That's like oh, Coop saying, it. "That's like Cooper saying, it. hey, here it is. What do you want to do?'" And the other well, guy's saying, "There's something to be feared here." And I always worry when coaches chase the matchup that aggressively is that you get out of rhythm. Yeah, you know that. that you, and they you don't ever down. do it. Like Toronto does not hard match. I stand between yeah. the benches all the time. They don't worry about this stuff. Like they're yeah, mindful, right. but they don't hard match. Like when I see Matthews, Austin Matthews, do this. If he looks to the bench, can I play coach? The worst thing you can do to a superstar. Yeah. The worst thing you can do. So you're you're at home with home ice and you're being reactive, not proactive. You're 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 reacting to what they're bringing when you're at home. When they're dictating what you're going to do. I didn't like it either. 
the, the other thing I would consider, I thought Ryan O'Reilly was the best leaf on the ice last night, but the other mm-hmm. thing I would consider is putting John Tavares back at center on another line. So I, yeah. I just think, and I, I don't mind that they started that because it, it gave you a second line of Tavares, O'Reilly, and Elander that, that has a ton of talent. But at the end of the day, the point I thought of acquiring Ryan O'Reilly is you go down the middle, you go Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly, and it elongates your lineup at a very important position where that could be more difficult for Tampa to match up against. So I would really consider putting Tavares back in the middle, probably with Nylander and having O'Reilly on the line. And then, and now you're giving Tampa more to think about, I think five on five. Boy, oh boy, is the pressure ever going to be (laughs) on. The fans are feeling the pressure last night too, booing their team off the ice after the first period. I get it was three, nothing, but that's a fan base uh, quickly frustrated by their group. And I tweeted that, and Leaf fans came back at me that they, of course they, they were did. In, no, but they they but a lot of them who were in the building were telling me that they were uh, actually booing the refs, which I oh okay did not on me. So yeah. maybe there's some yeah, of that. Sure. But uh, we should. You, you asked about Hedman, and we shouldn't gloss that over. Uh, Cooper yeah. did not have a real update after the game on Hedman, other than to say that it's an interesting answer. He said he was surprised at what happened because I wondered if it was something that was lingering late in the regular season that you know that that maybe they weren't shocked, but no, he said he was surprised at what happened and he's hoping it's not serious. It's the playoffs. We'll see what kind of update we get here later today. 24 goals, 72 point, uh, 24 goals, 72 assists, 96 points in his last four playoff years, 72 games for Nikita Kucherov. Quizmaster asking the question, is he one of the most underrated all-timer performers yeah, in playoff history? We'll get into that on a different podcast. Uh, we're running a little low on time here. You guys want to do the Oilers or Jets here? Well, the Jets, I'll do real quick because they're easy to do quickly. I'll do it in 90 seconds, period. You know, like, Hellebuck, good. System play, surprisingly consistent. Like, they were very good in not turning pucks over, staying with their the game plan, pushing pucks up the wall. They did not cheat for offense. And then, you know, they kind of wore them down with their nice plays around the front of that. Pierre-Luc Dubois, like, big stud, strong, strong centerman. Um, I didn't know if they had the kind of mental – discipline to stay with game plans that long they did and if they do they got a better goalie they probably have more talent up front you get the kind of game they had last night jack eichel uh minus three in his first career playoff game mm-hmm. but uh there's more, more to that story than than you know i i don't know like we talked about this over the weekend i mean the the juicy narrative of winnipeg getting revenge five years later for what happened in the western conference final is is just unbelievable rich to me um, as far as the opportunity. How many guys would be on Winnipeg that played in that game? Five? Four? Well, I mean, a lot of the core guys, though, right? From Hellebuck to Shifley to Wheeler to Morrissey. I mean, um, and uh, those guys all look pretty good in game one. Lots of hockey mm-hmm. left in that series. But I guess what I would get at is that one of the reasons I think a lot of people think that series was closer than the numbers would suggest is that the Jets were a first-place team halfway through the season. And, and in Vegas, as you point out, MJ, in our playoff preview, have won a ton of one-goal games. Like, is the gap really that big between these two teams? I don't know if it is. Mm-hmm. Well, they did a good job limiting the shots. Hellebuck didn't need to be spectacular. Their big guns came through with high-skill plays. Uh, heck of a good start for them. All right, Johnny, we got about five minutes with you before we got to let you go. Mm-hmm. So let's dial in on the Edmonton Oilers. That's going to be our takeaway segment brought to you by Kuma Outdoor Gear. They got a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs from tents and sleeping bags to travel games, pet products. And there's some kind of fired up about their new switchback heated chair, the world's first heated chair powered by Bluetooth technology. 
It is awesome. As an insulated cup holder on one side and a wine glass holder on the other, which sells it <laughs> for me. That is Kuma Outdoor Gear. Glad to have him on as sponsors here. Game two tonight. You pointed out last night, Johnny, on On Ride Show, Connor McDavid's played five games against the Los Angeles Kings this year. Three points. Not going to say that he wasn't good in game one. I thought he was good for the first 40 minutes, but there was a critical mistake there. So pressure's on for McDavid here. What's your sense on where his game was at and the pressure tonight? The pressure's on, of course. Um, I, you know, you, you can hardly be critical of anything he's done this year, given how, how exceptional he's been. I think that the Kings do a unique job of making him less effective than other teams. That new 1-3-1, how many times did the Edmonton dump that puck in on the right side, bring it around the left-wing boards? Like 30 35, like every time, ring it around, ring it around. That's not what makes McDavid the best player in the world. They do a good job of that. I think the key for Edmonton is they got to draw penalties because the power play, of course, is unstoppable, still looks that way. Um, and just accept the fact that there's not going to be as much open ice for Connor McDavid. You know, he's not going to have the same degree of looks and he's got to be a bit more efficient when he has the chances to get them. So um, that's the big takeaway. Expect more of this. I don't think that's like an aberration game. Edmonton was good. But LA was solid. And like that's how this series is going to go. And if Corpus is better than Skinner, and he probably was in game one by a little bit, mm -hmm. Skinner wasn't a problem, but a little bit, then it's going to be a very difficult series for the Oilers. Yeah. You know, we said this on the weekend, but uh, I, I, I did, this is the team that I thought was the worst possible matchup for the Oilers in the first round. I still pick the Oilers, of course, but because I think they're the better team. But this is, to MJ's point, LA accentuated all the type of things their, their checklist was all there in game one, as far as the things that they can do to make life miserable for the Edmonton Oilers. It won't result in a win every night in this series, but it'll make life a lot harder on Edmonton more so than I think any other team in that division can do to Edmonton. This really is a difficult matchup. And, you know, if nothing else, the fact that you can go in a series and feel pretty darn good about your own power play when you're going up, when you're going up against an historical power play on the other side in Edmonton, Ellie's power play was huge, and 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 that's important. That's going to be important in this series because I think there's going to be a lot of penalties, judging from game one. Nineteen out of forty-five better. Nineteen out of forty-five for goals in these playoffs have been scored on the power play so far, including game winners. That courtesy uh, the mm -hmm. quiz master. Power play is a huge uh, aspect in that series. Johnny, last one here. Like I would submit to you that the Edmonton Oilers do not need to go back to the drawing board in any way, shape, or form. You reload the same lineup. You reload the same game plan. You send them out there and say, go do the same thing again. Just don't spit the bit this time. I'd suggest that the LA Kings need to try and find a little bit of a different formula for the first 40 minutes of the game, that they're the ones that maybe need to adjust their play around what happened in that first game. They did great, but I don't think the Oilers need to go searching for some grand solution here. No, they don't need to change much. I think you heard Leon Dreisaitl talk about how disappointed they were Maturity. when they couldn't close the game. Like, they're a team that hadn't lost in a month. They, they should know how to win games because they've been doing an awful lot of it. But in the third period, they didn't look totally comfortable in that lead. Some The puck management, the bad penalty by Bouchard, um, not closing the game out is an issue. But you're right. Um, but I think, again, I think both teams would probably say the same thing. Like, LA knows the others are really good. Like, there's going to be moments where they don't have the puck an awful lot. And Edmonton looks more dangerous, but they know how to defend and give up territory without giving up goals. And they're okay with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, Edmonton put themselves in the same spot, 3-1 with eight minutes left. They'll take it, and they'll win the game 
every other time this playoffs. They won't lose another one that same way. Uh, the Kings will want to do more to make sure they don't find themselves in that spot, Pierre. Yeah, no, that's uh, – and I think there's the thing about L.A. too, and this is why the Oilers are going to have to show – and they, this happened last year in this playoff series where Edmonton eventually showed more patience in playing the Kings and got mm-hmm. comfortable in that style of game. I think they're going to have to show more of that here. But the Kings are a poised team. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I you know, I, I don't know if it's the championship savvy of Dowdy and Kopitar who are still the heartbeat of that team leadership-wise, but there's no panic. I mean, when they were down early in that game in game one, um, I just remember thinking to myself, for a team that's getting completely outplayed five-on-five five and down 2 nothing, a lot of calmness in that L.A. game. Yeah, for sure. And notable, the nuclear option. Jay Woodcroft did not go to it in any way, shape, or form. He has that in his right. hip pocket. Drysaddle and McDavid played one second together at even strength in that game. You'll remember when Drysaddle got hurt last year, he went to that. Uh, mm-hmm. More because he had to, to give Drysaddle that support because mm-hmm. he was injured. But um, they didn't play it all together in game number one. It'll be interesting to see if he gives that a little bit more of a look in game number two. But again, not that he needs to change a lot. It's going to be fun. What a great night of hockey we have. Uh, Good job, guys, on uh, the takeaways. Lots more to come here on Got Your Back. Stick around. You don't want to miss red card, yellow card, no card. Special guest appearance coming up. You're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude, and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that. All right, you want it, you love it. It's uh, huge across this country and growing each and every week. Red card, yellow card, no card. Brought to you by Liberty Smart Security, a company that specializes in having your back. High quality advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. Liberty Smart Security uses leading edge technology to protect the things that you value the most. Your home is your castle. So protect it with Liberty Smart Security. uh, Visit libertysecurity.ca. Okay, gentlemen, this is a huge week for the podcast because as we know, the star of red card, yellow card, no card, none other than Terry Ryan, who happens to be on the set taping season two of Shorzy. Guys, I'm calling him. We're doing it live this week. TR will be on the pod. Wow. Wow. TR, are you there? Yo, I am. <laughs> Welcome to Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashad. You know what, TR, LeBron and Johnny are starstruck right now. You have been such a huge part of this podcast. This is big for them to be on with you, buddy. Wow, well, I listen to them all the time, so it's an honor to be uh, to be on with such hockey minds that can articulate the game so oh, well. There boy, you go. Here we go. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I tell you what, I wasn't ready for this. I'm going to have to bring my A game now. My goodness. I know. I, 
I just want to make sure I have the exact same card as 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 Terry. I want to make sure you have the I same card. Well, no, you're not going to know. You're not going to okay. know, boys, because this is the way this is going to work. We're going to set it up. We're all going to give our verdicts. We're going to make our cases. TR, you're going to listen to all of it. You're going to keep an open mind as the ultimate arbiter. And then you are going to administer your ruling. You up for that? Fair enough. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. This week's red card, yellow card, no card. I put this out on a Twitter poll last night, gentlemen. Rule change for the National Hockey League. If you pull your goalie and then ice the puck, you are not allowed to put your goalie back in the net because, as we all know, when you ice the puck, there are no line changes allowed. No line changes allowed. Now, this goes back to game one between the Oilers and the Kings. The Kings had their goalie pulled. They iced it. Mm -hmm. They put their goalie back in, got possession, pulled their goalie, and scored a goal to tie the game. Why should you be allowed to put your goalie back in if there are no icing, if there are no line changes on icings, gentlemen? Red card, I put this on Twitter, hate it. Yellow card, meh, kind of lame. No card, let's explore further. Pierre, gentlemen, begin. I don't think I quite understood what you just said, so I'm going to go no card. Um, what? What? About halfway through, do you need I further explanation? <laughs> do, do you need? For, I can explain further. You're yeah, no, no, it's good. I'm going to go no card because I, I, I literally think that has never been brought up before in the history of hockey. Really? Right. So you're saying I have original thought? This is wow. big for me. You know why it's never been brought up, Shaggy? Because it's a terrible idea. That's why. So I don't know what's worse than red card hate it. But if there was like an advanced red, a flashing red, a double red, an F1, you have a hearing tomorrow. We go. That's yeah. what this rule is getting. It makes no sense. I understand the logic behind you. But as far as rule changes go, that's about number 10,000 on the list of things to do for the NHL. So I'm saying... No card, because then you could never pull your goalie. And part of the excitement end of the game what? is that you pull the goalie and you can, you know, if that's, you happen to ice the puck. I don't know, why day. could you never pull your goalie? Just don't ice the puck. Well, no if you pull the, it, Ryan. I know they're not. It'll almost never happen. It'll almost never happen. But if you're down a goal and you pull your goalie and you're dumb enough to ice the puck accidentally, whatever, mm-hmm. why should you be allowed to make that line change and get your goalie back in? Why? Because because you're trying to have the integrity of the game. Pulling the goalie is part of hockey, and it's part of the strategy of hockey. If you're not allowed to put him back in, that eliminates that part of the strategy. So if you want people to never pull their goalie unless they're down by two, then go ahead. You can try to implement this ridiculous rule. TR, double red, X, <laughs> you name it. It's all the above. I, okay, I, T- I, I really can't believe this was your takeaway from game one at Oilers King. <laughs> well, it anyway. wasn't my takeaway. I don't even think that they should do it. Honestly, <laughs> the, I'm going to give it a yellow card. I the think next it's proposal kind of is I'm, any diving stick check can never be a trip. Like, that's where we're headed. <laughs> Get out of here. That's not, this is not coming from any place of homerism. <laughs> I don't right? cheer and I don't care. Okay, TR, before we put this in your capable hands where you're going to put these wow. two donkeys <laughs> yeah. in their place, I'll just tell you, I did a poll on this on Twitter. 3,000 votes. Yeah. Yellow card, 17.2%. No card, 
57.3% red card, 25.5%. Mike Johnson, you're in the the minority. Both of you Real guys. Real quick though, TR. Did we do analytics on that poll and found out where most of those voters come from today? I'm ah. just curious as I dig deeper ah. where this information might be coming. Yeah, TR. I probably have a heavy Edmonton following. I would <laughs> definitely concur. <laughs> it's all yours, buddy. It's all yours. Uh, all right, TR. Bring it to us, my man. Well, first of all, I will say this. I respect both your guys' opinion immensely. And most of the time, I tend to lean towards your thoughts and opinions and share them myself. I not only listen to this show and more, I listen to Overdrive every day, and Johnny comes on there quite a bit. So I appreciate both your guys' opinion. But this one for me is a layup. And this one for me is no cards. In fact, I encourage it. Well, look, I like the rent. This is a unicorn. This is never going to happen. I remember this happening once to me. And I remember in a, a game, one of my last years, pro, maybe early 2000s, I think it happened to the Leafs Sens in the playoffs too early in the 2000s. Anyway, I've always thought, because if the players had to stay out there, first of all, who comes off? And if you know that going in, I mean, you've got the advantage. You shouldn't be icing the puck. Mm-hmm. So if you do... Given that situation, now you live with the consequences. And I think it's such a unicorn move that it make it a little bit more exciting. Like in baseball, if it's the ninth inning and there's two outs and there's someone on first and I swing at the third pitch and it, it, it goes in the dirt, I can still run the first base. It's a unicorn, but it kind of makes it exciting. Now, I'm not, that's a bad analogy because both, it's not the same consequences, but for me, it's so rare and you should have the foresight not to be icing the puck when there's an empty net. So for me, I think I'm all for it. I think they may make it exciting. You might have to have more strategy with six players in, in your defensive end, but you know that going in. I mean, really, what are we talking once a year? Mm-hmm. So I'm saying no card. Well, TR, you got to deliver your final verdict like you do every week, man. Hit it hard. Own it. Own it? Okay. When no it comes- card. Oh, you know, okay. Well, yeah, do the whole thing. Summarize it if you want. Go. Well, when it comes to icing the puck when the goalie is pulled, I give it. No card. Final answer. Final answer. Final answer. No card. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Uh, So you know how a minute ago I said that I was a yellow card? Well, I'm I'm changing. I'm I'm actually going to take the win here today, guys. I'm with TR. I'm taking the win here today. I'm still confused uh, in a way. But. <laughs> and by the way, by the way, if I'm an Oilers fan, I just want to drop this because we um, we're not speaking as frequently with me in Sudbury for the next month. But I'd be really encouraged if I've ever seen a team down one to nothing and have reason to be confident. It would be the Oilers. They did a whole lot good. I thought Evan Bouchard was shot out of a cannon of all <laughs> the players to be ready in the playoffs. I was thinking, you know, of all the teams. Yeah. You know, name me a hundred guys. I'd put them ahead of him. But he looked to me the most prepared. I can't believe I'm saying that. And I don't just mean the goal. It'll be and a I fun one tonight. It'll be a fun I one tonight so. for sure. Game number yeah. two. TR, fan, you have reason. Uh, give us one word to sum up season two of Shorzy, buddy. I know you can't give away too many secrets, but how's filming going? And what do you think? Uh, intriguing. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It, it, look, guys, before... When I came into this, I was kind of, when I was reading it, and then I had to go do the scenes, I was picturing Letterkenny, so it wasn't as funny. To, but I, I love Letterkenny. I just mean, but that isn't the Shorzy setup, and I was reading it as such. So to me, on paper, the first season, before I did it, didn't seem as funny. 
But now that I know the context and what's going on, I got to be honest, we're about, I'd say we're almost half through the sh- halfway through and it's hard to keep a straight face while we're shooting. I really, <laughs> I think this is, if, if you like the first one, I think you like the second. I mean, there's post-production and all that, but it really it's, it's, it's uh, Jared Kiso's uh, genius. It's pretty good. Right on, pal. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll have you back again soon, my friend. Enjoy the rest of taping and uh, keep in touch. Happy playoffs. It really was an honor <laughs> to be on with you guys. Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, good luck. We'll talk to you guys soon. See you, buddy. Right. Thanks, Terry. All, right, All right, the ultimate arbiter comes down in my favor once again, gentlemen. Feels Has nothing like to do with the fact thing. that was a setup. The entire thing. You got Pierre doesn't know even what the question is. He's still not sure what we're talking about. I'm still about. like, I have no He's idea. He's still a little punch drunk about what's going on. You bring in the ringer live arbiter to side with you on a poll that's skewed to Edmonton's favor. I mean, no, it just seems like a lot not. of chips were stacked against us today. This is called journalism, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Look it up, buddy. Journalism. Uh, TR is not only again? the ultimate. He's not only the ultimate arbiter. Uh, he was in town over the summer. We were at a at a bar one night. Hopped up on stage with the band guys. Terry Ryan on stage. Is there nothing this man can't do? Talented guy. Talented. I know. Guy. He's Hell, funny. I love it. He's articulate. He's got a great voice. He just has bad judgment when it comes to NHL rules. Nobody's perfect, right? Can't <laughs> I think he's got great judgment. Uh, great job today, boys. Thank you kindly. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog and Johnny. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors. Of course, as always, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Kuma Outdoor Gear, and of course, Liberty Smart Security. Enjoy the playoff games tonight. We'll chat again soon, folks. Cheers. Gotta own it. If you're gonna get up there, you gotta own it. It's my theme song.